You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the Jets' 4-2 win over the Sabres in Buffalo, plus look back at the setback in Detroit and look ahead to the matchup in Pittsburgh. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's head right into the weekend here. Doing so once again on the back of a two-point night by the Winnipeg Jets. Nice and easy, stress-free in the last few minutes, right? No big deal. That's how Bones and the Jets do now. Oh, wait, it was terrified. <laughs> and, and they found a way to get it done. I guess that's kind of the main thing, but... Uh, yeah, style points, uh, style points weren't, uh, being awarded, I guess, for the Winnipeg Jets on this, uh, recent road trip here. And we'll, we'll see how things come to an end. A bit of a tough one, three and four nights against Pittsburgh coming up on Friday there. Uh, but let's break it down where we, uh, last left off. And that would, of course, be with that game in Buffalo doing so once again. Joining me here, my co-host, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. Tyson, what's going on? Oh, not much. Just I've been enjoying these days off. I've I've been I said to you earlier. I think I've consumed more hockey this year than any other season before. It's crazy. Like it's just every every game has something different to it. It's I don't think hockey's been this entertaining in like a really long time. So I'm just enjoy, I'm enjoying it. But the, the product is really good. Like this, this, like just strictly in terms of the 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 skill level and like the level of play out there. Which is funny because I was watching Oilers Ducks for a little bit last night, and I was like, Anaheim might be the worst team I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's like a combo of there's some some really high in skill, and there's like five or six teams that really have no intention of even being competitive in games. But yeah, I mean, look, we're not going to talk about the Ducks, but like, holy crap, Dallas Aiken, <laughs> uh, Dallas Nathaniel Hackett. Akins is this kind of what I'm, I'm wondering about over there in Anaheim. But it's funny because they're like, yeah, he is an awful coach. And we're going to keep throwing him out there because we need to get that big baby. <laughs> um, normally, Buffalo would be in the running for that pick. But that's not going to be the case. At least you would think it's not going to be the case this year. Sabres look good again. I mean, that, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that's that's followed hockey so far this year. But... I guess my my biggest takeaway from the game, Tice, was just flat out that the Sabres deserve better than a 4-2 loss against the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, 
especially coming off the heels of that ugly start, turnover-filled first 40 minutes against Detroit. You were hoping the Jets would come up with a pretty, you know, solid, focused effort and, and try to make life as difficult as possible for the Sabres. But, man, Buffalo, you can make the case if anybody deserved a 4-2 win Thursday night in New York. It was it was the Buffalo Sabres. The Jets may be a little bit fortunate to get away with this one. Yeah, and, and just for me, especially, I think the Jets did a really good job of really shutting down Tage Thompson in those first two periods. Uh, I think that, like, when Lowry was on that line, you can tell that, and especially the D-men, to the D-men, you get a lot of credit for this game as well in those first two periods, just because the gap control when Tage Thompson was coming in was just absolutely perfect. Because, like, a guy that big and that strong and that skilled, for you can't let him get going. Like, you can't be backing up and letting him yeah. come in with a full set head of steam. Because we've seen multiple, multiple defenders this year get absolutely, look like an absolute pile on just like Tage Thompson walking around them. But I thought they did a really good job in the first two periods. In the third period, Buffalo adjusted, and you can see that the Tate Thompson line was starting to come out more against the Wheeler-Shifley-Perfetti line. They they started to get a little bit more going in the third period, but I thought the Jets did a, did a pretty good job, especially with the Buffalo forecheck that's really, really aggressive. And especially, I thought Dylan Sandberg had a nice bounce-back game. I thought he was really physical in this one. I think, I mean, obviously there's the what leads up to the first goal too, but I think in the D zone, I think, his physicality was something that Jets fans have been really wanting for a long time. And just to see that kind of start to be that big bruising defenseman, kind of be that maybe that Brendan Dillon replacement. It was super nice to see. Yeah. I, I love your take on the Thompson line and how the Jets defended him, because that was something that jumped out to me in that it, it's fun. Like it's, it's similar to defending McDavid, but it's they're, they're completely different players. But like once Tage Thompson builds up ahead of steam, it's already over, right? Like you're you're already you might as well just be fishing the puck out of your net, put a dash beside your name, and and get ready for the next shift. Because once he gets up to close to full speed, he's really really difficult to stop. But the Jets were really aggressive defending the line, and with guys that are that skilled and talented, it, it can't just be you know Lowry versus Thompson all night. It's got to be. Lowry and DeMello and Morrissey against it, right? right? Like it's got to be a, more of a team concerted effort to stop guys like that. And that, that to me is where the Jets played their best in this game. Um, slowing down the Thompson trio who still got their looks. Um, they did that really well. And then the penalty kill, I thought they did a really good job. Um, they were, they were very disciplined against Buffalo. You can tell Buffalo, they, they weren't taking too many shots. They were trying to set up the one timer to Thompson. They were trying to set up, you know, cousins at times too. They were looking for the perfect play, and and there was really nothing there. Um, that was that was the Jets at their best tonight. Other than that, though, I think they left a lot to be desired here. And 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 to me, this was the definition of the understated excellence that Connor Hellebuck brings to the table. Um, yeah, because he, he very quietly, what did he put up? Thirty eight saves, yeah, high thirties, some some somewhere around there, right? He just makes it look so easy. He makes it look so easy. And it's, I, I think people can take for granted just how damn good he is on a night like this against Buffalo, where you look at the scoreboard and you think, hey, you know, the Jets did all right. Well, in all reality, if, if Hellebuck has an average game, probably 4 4, might be 5 3. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like Buffalo was, was pretty close to putting a few past him there, but there was just a number of times where he's in the right spot, knows what's going on. Make some of the easy, make some of the difficult saves look look easy, and then he finds a way to make the the circus saves look 
pretty damn good as well. And he made some pretty impressive stops in this one. Yeah, he was doing his best Mika Kiprasov impression on that uh, on that wrap round. And and shout out to D- Dylan DeMello too. I I don't know how many times this season we've seen Dylan DeMello with a stick check that saved the goal late in the game, but he just continues to like he just continues to be that rock solid D man. But yeah, I think without a doubt Connor Halibut's the star of this game, and especially coming off a bounce back game where it was you could tell he was visibly frustrated in that Detroit game, especially after that Dylan Larkin power play goal. You could see the frustration starting to bubble over. So it's nice to see Connor just kind of put that behind him, come out and put on a great performance against Buffalo. And he's showing that, I, I mean, with the All-Star game, UC Staros is having a great season and all, but without a doubt, the best goalie in this division is Connor Hellebuck, and it's not even close. Well, Saros has gone unconscious, unconscious, <laughs> unconscious this past, like, what, three weeks? Yeah. He's played out of his mind right now. So it's it's funny. It's it's a weird way to go about it, but it's kind of the goalies we thought all along. Hellebuck, Saros, and then one of the Russian goalies in New York there that's going to be battling for the Vesna Trophy uh, when everything's said and done there. But I, I just... There there was a sequence on, on the power play too where, you know, the, the Jets defended everything well for the most part, but the Sabres still were able to get a couple of good lucks. They've got one of the best PPs in the NHL. Um, and I think something that gets underrated or maybe un- untalked about enough with with Hellebuck and why he's so good is his hockey IQ is through the roof and and that's always I think all the elite goalies have that people look at you know flurry and, and see the athleticism and you know the diving saves and, and things like that um, you know you look at I mean Hashik and flopping all over the place but you got to be smart as hell to be a really really good goalie especially with the way the game's played nowadays and there were so many times where you could just tell he was one step ahead of the play, almost reading it like a defenseman in a sense. And they were able to get one good look on a one-timer. You know, nor- against a normal goalie, it might might have went in, might have found a way through. He's already, you know, post to post and squared up with the shooter before he's even got his stick up in the air. Like, it's just, it, it's crazy how well he's able to read the play. And I think that's why sometimes he makes things look easy because of how intelligent he is at, at being able to read the play. So, um, yeah, ho-hum. Another uh, another 970 save percentage late for Connor Hellebuck. Chalk that one up in the win column for him as well. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny too. It wasn't the best night. We've only seen a few of them for this line. But it's pretty scary, Tice, when a so-so night for a trio ends up with them putting two goals out of the four on the night. Um, you know, Dubois, Ehlers, and Connor weren't as crazy effective as they have been in their first couple of games right out of the gate. But yeah, I'll I'll take it off night like that, <laughs> where you get a a beauty inside the the, the defensive zone there, working a, a face off win and, and getting a pretty nice team goal in that sense, and then Kyle Connor sends Uka Muka Lokonen whatever his name is into the rafters there with that deke like, Christ, they're so good. Like if that's a bad night, the Jets are in a good spot. Oh, and even like the, even when they're not having a good night, you still have those ships where they are are just dominating play, and you can see that oh something's coming. You can just feel something's coming, even when they're not clicking at a hundred percent. And this like this game was just a prime example too. Like that goal was just so so disgusting. Just absolutely, it was like like when Ronick said it. You uh, to- I was gonna say that. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I was gonna set you up with that before where. I bet Lukudin's looking in the the rafters for his job. It's too bad Lukudin doesn't have a couple of 
to rings to plug in his ears, but I was thinking exactly. That's the best part about that quote is that Jeremy Roenick barely got it out. He was I know, yeah, just the, the delivery was not was not elite. <laughs> but yeah, then even on the Morris Eagle, it's just Ehlers having that vision just to find him and like eyes in the back of his head and man, Morris he just absolutely just puts a cannon on. I saw the fake Danny Heatley tweet out that he put some extra Tabasco on that puck and you could <laughs> you could just see though that this Jets team, even when things aren't clicking at a hundred percent for a line, they still have that ability to just break through. And that's exactly what we saw in this game. And that's what they're gonna need going into the playoffs too. You you need that game breaking ability when things are going your way and you do get a chance. You need that ability to put that chance in the back of the net. So I, I mean would you like a game where they control possession for 75% of the time they're on the ice? Obviously, of course, but not every game is going to be like that. So just to see them still putting up these points in games where it's not totally there, it's it's great to see. Yeah, I mean, obviously you'd rather have the two points than than a zero there. Um, but a little, a little concerning with how they played as of late. I'm a little worried about the game in Pittsburgh too, which we'll get to in just a sec. Not even because of the opposition necessarily, just you know, schedule wise, three and four, second end of a back to back on the road. You know, it's been a brutal stretch for this team. I I thought in this game, excuse like whether or not you think it's a valid excuse or not, I thought they looked beat. I thought they looked like just dead on their feet in the second period. And I mean, they they've been through the ringer pretty much through the entire month of December, so. I wonder if maybe we should give them a bit of slack. You know, like this team, maybe more than any, might need the all-star break just to, to rest and recharge a little bit. Um, I, I wonder I wonder how much that's kind of creeped into their game as of late. Is just that, you know, they, they're getting healthy. They're, they're getting injured bodies back healthy, and they're trying to get back into the swing of things. And on top of that, the healthy bodies are probably dealing with a, a few different things here and there, and they've just, they're, they're kind of running on fumes right now, trying try, you know, trying to get through the rounds here. Yeah, and they, they also have that bug going around the team, too. That's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was a bad bug, too. There's some guys who had, like, what I think it was the game when Shifley got the hat trick, right? When he was, like, he almost didn't play that game. He was that sick. But, yeah, no, it's it's definitely been a tough schedule. And this, like, the All-Star break is going to be huge. And I wonder if we see some Jets players maybe, oh, I got a lower body injury last game before the All-Star break. I don't know if I'll be able to make the trip. We'll see. I, I wonder how many more Jets actually end up making the All-Star team. Yeah, I'm down with that. I, I'm not going to be watching it. So, if they, but then again, it is in Florida. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it. Hey, I just went to Miami, and after about ten hours there, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should move here full time because my knees aren't throbbing every second of the day. So, so hey, it's a. Either way, it's a win-win for the club. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, good. At, at least, at the very least, you grab the two points here, and you avoid going zero for three with a tough schedule game. Um, Friday night against Pittsburgh. I guess that's kind of the silver lining here. Um, but we'll look ahead to that one here. Maybe just touch very briefly on what happened there in Detroit. And then a few other little tidbits from the Winnipeg Jets over the past few days before we wrap up this episode. Um, but before we move on to the second half here, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DK. Because while the action is heating up in the NHL, the NFL playoff picture is locked and loaded with wild card weekend set to go. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, helps you kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, where you can win $200 in free bets instantly by betting just $5 on any team 
to win their game. Plus, if you're an existing customer, you can get a no sweat bet each day of wildcard round this weekend. Place an NFL bet of your choice. And if you lose, no worries. DK's got your back. You get a free backup bet up to $10. So why not take two cracks at it to get a little money for the new year here? Tyson, is there a, a game or two you're most? Well, I got two games I'm interested in. And especially because we're both Eagles fans, just let everybody know. Uh, Bucks Cowboys. Are, are we seeing are we seeing the boys head to Philly or has Tom Brady got something up his sleeve very quickly here? It's got it's got all the makings of a Dallas Cowboys collapse. Like it's just the, I know. Cow- the last couple of weeks have just been on a downhill and the Bucks are finally Tom Brady's what seven and zero against Dallas and in his career, and he's never lost a road game to start in the playoffs. Like So there on. you go. I mean it's a Monday nighter, so we maybe maybe put the Monday nighter in your back pocket if you want a little more help if you want that backup bet take the the Jaguars over the Chargers don't don't worry about it. you won't need the backup bet but just saying if you want to sprinkle on the Jaguars at least you got Tom Brady and the Bucks to save your asses on Monday night download the DraftKings sportsbook app and use code THPN new customers can bet five dollars on the NFL and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I wonder about that, Tice. It's, it's, I mean, that's the best part about the Cowboys. They're like the Leafs, right? Where it's, oh yeah, whatever happens, like something. There, there's going to be hilarity between the the Cowboys and the Bucks. Um, I was I, saying. I do- that- I do want to run back my Ravens prediction from last week. Uh, Lamar's not in. I'm, I'm all out on Baltimore for sure. But all like, smoke. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I think the New York Giants are gonna upset the Minnesota Vikings as well, and then we see a uh, Eagles stomping up the Giants in the second round. <laughs> that would be preferred. <laughs> that would be the preferred matchup if, if Daniel Jones had come to town. Um, but I was saying this to Huss. I, I joined Huss on Winnipeg Sports Talk uh, Thursday afternoon. If Lamar has a five-year, $300 million contract signed four or five months ago, do you think he's sitting out this week against Cincinnati? Not a chance. I, Lamar is, just seems like he's one of the most petty people on planet Earth, and I think he's just like, you're not paying me, I don't care. I'm going to get my bag anyways. It doesn't matter. And, and did you see... He's going to get his bag. <laughs> did you see DeAndre Hopkins tweet today? No, I know. I was off, off Twitter. He said, well, how many touchdowns does this trio score? And it was a picture of him, Lamar Jackson, and Derrick Henry. And, you know, Derrick Henry's the only one with a contract coming. I mean, D-Hop still has his contract, but it sounds like he's out. So, can you imagine Tennessee with Lamar, D-Hop, and Derrick Henry? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, let's do it. They're in the AMC. <laughs> Who cares? Throw them all over there to Tennessee. That, yeah. I, I just thought about that. Like I don't really blame Lamar either. I know this isn't, you know, NHL talk here. I don't, I don't really blame Lamar when, you, when you're, you have your payday up for grabs here. You blow it a knee and, you know, you might throw 150 mil down the drain. Um, but it's going to be a wild, wild offseason. Oh, and yeah. that's going to be the big time domino to fall. I, I'd be shocked if he's back in Baltimore. And there's a handful of teams that would move heaven and earth, <coughs> the New York Jets, to get a guy like Lamar Jackson as their QB. Although that would be a good training camp battle, Lamar Jackson versus Chris Strebler as to who <laughs> takes the number one QB spot. I guess we'll have to wait a few months to see that. Anywho, 
let's focus and then get things back towards the Jets here as we wrap up the episode. Um, a matchup in Pittsburgh Friday night. What do you make of the Penguins, Tice? I mean, got off to a decent... St- they're kind of doing the the anti-Pittsburgh here. Usually they get off to a slow start. Everyone writes them off, and then they charge into the postseason. This year, got off to a decent start, and now they're floundering in and around below the playoff line. And people might have been a few years late on this one, but maybe the demise is finally on tap here for the club. Yeah, and well, and I mean, the Jari injury is huge too right now. I mean, we, we kind of all saw it coming, right? Like Jari's known for getting, for missing multiple games with, with lower body injuries. So it sucks for him, but at the same time, you know, it could be a real opportunity for the Jets because Casey DeSmith struggled for in his last couple starts since Jari's gone down. The Penguins are, like, whenever you count them out though, they just somehow go on a heater and then all of a sudden they make a move at the deadline and everyone's like, oh, maybe Pittsburgh's a sneaky dark horse team and then they fizzle out in the, first in the first game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't really know what to make of them. They're just, is it going to be the same thing as it has been the last couple of years? I mean, at what point do you... It is. Take- it, it is going to be the same thing. It's it's the same team. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same team. And and you know, I, don't, I don't blame these guys, but Crosby, Malkin, Latang went from superhuman to just elite. <laughs> like yeah. they're just they're just really, really good right now. And they can't carry a roster like they had five, six years ago. I mean like they're in their mid mid to late thirties now. It's it's what happens. But like is is that not what this team is in, in Pittsburgh? It's just supporting cast that's okay, but a team that's been built on having their generational stars play like generational stars and they're just they're 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 90-point guys instead of 120-point guys now. Yeah, and, and for me, the weird thing about this is how it feels like their front office, too, has a bit of a conflicting view, and even the ownership, too. Because when they first they brought in Ron Hextall, you kind of had the idea that, hey, sorry, maybe... Sorry, ben- Benedict Hextall. Oh, yeah. Benedict Hextall. <laughs> Benedict Textall. But when they brought when they brought Hexy and you thought, you know, this could be a switch in in like a organizational view where maybe we're gonna start moving on from some veterans, we're gonna start building through the draft because you know, like it's not gonna last forever. You guys are getting older, especially a guy like Malkin who's who's so good with his body and he's such a physical force. And then as his injuries, he's he's a guy that's been injured throughout his career. And at some point those are gonna catch up to him. Chris Latane has a history of injuries too. Those are going to start to catch up to them. And especially this year, I think they had. I mean, Chris Latane last year was so good. And this year, he just hasn't been the same defenseman. Oh, and just the, the year from hell for him. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's been a really rough, like personalized too. Like it's been a really rough year for Chris Latane. And I, I just don't know where this team's going. I don't, for this is a team for me that's kind of stuck in limbo. They're just, they're just above those group of teams where, you're in actual limbo and you're not good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not bad enough to do bad. The Penguins are kind of just a tier above that where they're probably going to make it as a wild card. And if they do miss it, they're going, they're finishing 16th or whatever, and they're not going to be eligible for those top couple picks, which is on a side note. I think that's such a Thank dumb rule that, that the NHL added that those bottom four teams don't get a chance. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, don't know. It is, it is dumb, but. Pittsburgh would have won the Bedard sweepstakes. Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's like they like in my in my head. I'm like, that's a dumb rule, but thank you <laughs> because yeah. we, we all know how that Pittsburgh and Edmonton would be the two teams to miss out, and they go one two and just reload yeah. again. So so maybe 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 Batman got that one right. Um, 
I mean, yeah, look, I, I like the Jets better on paper, a lot better on paper than than the Penguins. I just worry about this specific game where, you know, I, I don't know what the, the Pittsburgh schedule was like. I know they, you know, Vancouver rolled over and died for them on, on a Wednesday night, you know, up three rip, and then Pittsburgh roars back. They put up 40 shots and win 5-3. So, I mean, they're, they're probably semi-rested after having half a night off against the Canucks. Um, I, I do wonder if this is a, you know, maybe chalk this one up as a bit of a schedule loss or Hellebuck plays out of his mind again and the Jets find a way to steal one. Although I would imagine Dave Riddich probably gets the call here on the on the second end of a back-to-back. Would you go Would you go Helly or, or big save? I, I would go Dave more so not because of how Hellebuck's played. It's For me, it's getting the backup in. It seems that teams kind of tighten things up when the backup comes in. And I think that's what you're going to need coming off a of back-to-back. I think you're going to need a tight defensive game, and I think you've got to limit the chances that Pittsburgh has and kind of play that, you know, slow the pace of the play down. Don't get into the run and gun like we saw tonight against Buffalo. I think if you can slow the pace down and not let Pittsburgh's guys get going, because realistically, if they can, if they can control their gaps and control the line like they did in, in a couple and like for the most part of the first two periods of tonight's or last night's game, I think they got a real chance against Pittsburgh. But it is going to be tough because you can't count out that firepower and even. At some point, their power play has to get going, right? And so, you know, we, that could be the game where it breaks through. But, I, you know, I think the Jets have it in them. I think they can pull one out here, especially just you don't know what Pittsburgh's going to be, right? Like, we don't know what kind of Pittsburgh we're going to get. So I think the Jets I think the Jets have a solid chance of getting this, but I'm not going to be overly upset and overreactionary if they happen to lose this one. I'm going to lose my mind if they <laughs> drop this one. <laughs> no. uh, I mean, the Jets play uh, Arizona Sunday in Winnipeg. So, I mean, for me, Hellebuck either starts against Pittsburgh or he starts against Arizona. Uh, he's going to get one of these nights off here. It's up to to bones as to whichever one he thinks would be the best for that there. Um, I, I, I just like giving the backup the, the second end of the back-to-back there and um, making sure Helly's not overworked heading into the All-Star break. Um, I said we were going to talk about the Detroit game. I don't really want to anymore. Um, <laughs> they didn't play good through 30 minutes, and then they played awesome after that, but just dug too big of a hole. You know, not, not really too much to break down in that one against uh, Detroit. But uh, one last thing I want to touch on before we close it out here, Tice, did you happen to catch the comments Chevy made? Uh, he's been speaking, making his rounds with the press this week, and then also spoke with um, voice of the Jets, Dan Robertson, uh, in an interview that aired during intermission today. Um, have, have you caught any of his comments regarding the team and most importantly for a lot of fans, kind of their plans for aggression at the trade deadline? Oh, well, I, I did hear some pieces, but why, why don't you tell me? <laughs> why don't you so, give me a yeah, I mean, it's funny. And, and he's, you know, Chevy's so good at this that he pretty much gave the same answer in like five different interviews. But <laughs> dude, to paraphrase, you know, kind of said he was going to be, wanted to be aggressive without completely committing to being aggressive. Um, obviously saying essentially that, you know, Things can change in terms of prices and players that are available at the deadline. So there's no point in committing one way or the other right now, but that there essentially is an acknowledgement that, you know, when your team is quote unquote in it, those chances are few and far between. And when they're in it, it behooves a general manager in that case to, uh, you know, throw some, some of their chips into the middle of the table. So it's, Completely paraphrased. He, he didn't really say too many of those words. He did say due diligence 20 times. But uh, essentially kind of giving the okay to 
being aggressive when it comes to to picking up a piece or two at the trade deadline. Well, and that's totally just hockey speak for we're going to be aggressive this deadline, yeah. but we just don't yeah. want we just want to show our cards this early, right? Yeah. It's like I mean that was one of the tidbits that they covered on insider trading on TSN earlier today was that the Jets are looking like they're going to be buyers and with good reason too. We've been talking about this the past couple of weeks, like even the past months. This team is a team that can really benefit from adding some extra pieces to it, and I think they can really help them take that next step from. I don't want to say that they're not cup contenders right now because they are one of the better teams in the west but you add a couple pieces to this team and i think you really elevate yourself into the the boston this year the carolina teams this year colorado i think that that's something that you have to do and i think it's something that's necessary this year because i think with the way the standings are looking right now this looks like one of the jets best opportunities to really go out there and have a deep deep playoff run and i think you would be i mean you would be just stupid to not be doing your due your due diligence and trying to be aggressive. Hey, this, this trade take a shot. Take a <laughs> shot. Whenever you hear due diligence and you wake up on the floor again. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think what, what you're going with there makes a lot of sense. It like solidify your spot atop the, atop the standings. And on top of it too, I, I, look, you don't, you don't make moves based off of what other teams are doing. But having said that, those other teams at the top are going to be making moves and you do risk kind of being left behind and pushed down a rung or two lower. If you don't go out there and be aggressive and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the deadline obviously as we move along here, but what, what I like about what I'm hearing that the jets are interested in is that they're not going for rental players. Like if they do swing for the fences, it's going to be somebody with term and that to me is the way to go at the trade deadline. It's when you pay, like, I mean, look, we saw it with the, it worked out for Stasny, didn't work out so well in the Kevin Hayes trade, but like to me, it's it's when you consistently give up first rounders and prospects for rentals that you find yourself getting into a lot of trouble, but especially for a team like Winnipeg, if you can improve your your club going into this playoffs and then have that guy for another run or two, that's the kind of target that you need to be going after. And especially when it's somebody that can make a, a legitimate impact. Yeah, that that's the one that the Winnipeg Jets should be signing up for. And by all accounts, it does sound like they're going to, at the very least, be extremely aggressive in trying to make that happen. So whether it's a Chikrin or a Provorov, let's hope it's one of those two or somebody of that ilk at the very least. Um, I, I like what I'm hearing at the very least about what the Winnipeg Jets intend to do leading up to the deadline. Well, and ju- and just hearing that too, you always hear like the insiders and people around hockey saying that it's it's way easier to make a deal in the off season for guys, right? But at the same time, I feel like you can almost get a reduced price on some of these guys with longer term in season because the market's just not the same. And yes, it's bad for the sellers, but if you can be one of those contending teams that maybe maybe you get a deal that's better than that would have happened in the off season. Like I th- I just think that there's opportunities and there's risks that you have to take at this point that it could blow up in your face (laughs) like that's the way some trades work but it also could push you into that and into that upper echelon to that kind of like folk hero that Kevin Sheveldayoff could be the guy that built this team up from what almost 15 years ago and he's taken them all the way to this to this cup final I think it could be a really good story and I think those are the risks you have to make to get those teams to where you need to be scared money don't make money Oh, yeah. We'll see what Chevy's got up his sleeves in the days to come here. But exciting times for sure for the Winnipeg Jets.
especially after another win out there on the road in Buffalo. Pretty good way to to almost end the episode there, Tice. I say almost because what better way to cap off an episode of Skates and Plates and head into the weekend than talking about some fried chicken? Oh, is it you, fried you chicken? Know, do you know what I'm getting at here? I think so. I think I, I think I heard that it was a, a special weekend with it. It's a spe- it's a not even a weekend. It's a bonanza here in January. For those that don't know, Fried Chicken Fest is on right now in Winnipeg with dozens and dozens of entrants right now for the crown. You can check it out at friedchickenfest.ca and you'll figure it out. I mean, yeah. You'll you'll, you'll find it. You'll find the entrance for for the Winnipeg uh for the Winnipeg restaurants there. Um, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it um, in our next episode. Maybe we'll we'll dip into a, an entry or two and talk about some of our favorites. But just quickly here, uh, just kind of perusing the list, maybe take a look at our uh, good buddy uh, Calvin Truong at uh, the Q Empire that he's built here in Winnipeg. Specifically, uh, Q Grill has got a, a, pretty, a pretty sexy looking one. Yeah, so you're going to want to take a look at that one. Um, Meal said Bistro always has a crazy one too. Um, there's one other one that I saw today. Oh, it was another Q one, Q snack box. Um, 24k wings, and they literally, I think they're painted gold. <laughs> like the pig, they're like gold member gold. I love so I, gold. Yeah, <laughs> I love gold wings. So those are just something to keep an eye on there. But uh, make sure you go out and support your local restaurants and. Are you a thigh or drumstick guy? Oh, thigh. Thigh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, wait, like for wings or just like? Uh, no, for fried chicken. Yeah, I mean, you always go dark meat. Like, I mean, yeah. dark meat's where the flavor's at. But like, yeah, so always chicken thigh. But like with wings, drumette all the way. See, I, I, recently I've been kind of digging the drumstick, not just like the flats. Like I used to be a oh, big yeah, fan. Yeah. I used to be a big flack. I like taking out the bones and you get that full piece of meat. But if you get a nice big drum, I, I like the the nice drum where you can just kind of take a big bite of that chicken and then you still have the whole wing. So I've, I've been kind of shifting over to the drum side lately. Yeah, that's because you're a gargantuan. You're an absolute <laughs> you're an absolute animal. That's that's why as you, as you head into your... Oh, there's some good... There's a, there's a fried chicken in a glass. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I I I need it. I need it in my life. Warranty included. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you got your Gaviscon ready, and you can enjoy <laughs> Fried Chicken Fest in style over the next week or so here in Winnipeg. Um, but that'll do it here for the episode. We'll wrap it up there on as about of a, a high note as you can. Um, we'll get back to it uh, next week, kicking off uh, some action with a few more Jets games to get into. Don't know if we'll talk too much about the matchup Friday in Pittsburgh, but like I mentioned earlier, the Jets do have a Sunday affair against the Arizona Coyotes before heading out to Montreal to take on the Canadian on Tuesday. So we'll break down the Coyotes game, get ready for the Montreal contest, and talk about anything else that's going on with the hockey club here and around the rest of the NHL. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki, stopping by once again. We'll get back at it Tuesday morning. Until then, stay safe and enjoy your weekend, everybody. Peace.